Got an overwhelmed brain from anxiety? It's time to look into the safe empowerment system for anxiety. Head over to quietbegins.com and silence that inner critic causing so much unnecessary strife in your life. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on the show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. And you know, uh, we want to avoid dysfunction, at least That's one of the goals. That's one of my goals is to avoid dysfunction. And I look at dysfunction as the idea of not being functional. It's the concept of not being able to function in a, quote, normal or healthy capacity. And, you know, what is normal? What is healthy? Well, the way I look at normal or healthy is Does it serve you and does it not harm people? And if you can do behavior that serves you, and we can talk about that in a moment, and it doesn't hurt other people, I think you're living a pretty good life. You know, I'm not saying that that is the totality of it. I'm saying that, you know, you can get through life in a fulfilling way by doing things that serve you and that don't hurt others. Now, this doesn't mean that you should be a doormat if you don't hurt someone that they are allowed to hurt you or violate your boundaries or your values. That's not what that means. It means that you are going through life doing the best you can. It reminds me of a line from a movie, and I'm going to quote a movie. When I was a kid, I was a nerd, and I probably still am. <laughs> the movie Tron from 1982, I think, uh, where this guy gets sucked into a computer program. And the programs, there are people inside the computer that are called programs. And, you know, we use computers nowadays, and we use programs. Well, just imagine the programs we're using are people, and they're doing tasks for us. Well, in Tron, the original Tron, these people are in this computer and they are the programs that do tasks for the real world. So this human gets sucked into a computer and these programs, the people inside the computer, see this guy and and they find out that he's a user. He's one of us in the real world, a user of computers. And they look at users as, you know, the creator they're the creators. They made the programs. And so um, one of the programs said, well, if you're a user, you must have a plan. You must know what your next steps are. And Kevin Flynn, the, the character in the movie, you can tell how much I've watched this as a kid. Uh, he said, well, um, not really. I don't have a plan. You know, I'm just trying to figure it out as I go along, you know, just like everyone else. And the program's expression was like, oh, 
Oh, I, I thought you'd know. <laughs> I thought you'd have a plan. I was looking forward to someone leading the way here and beating the antagonist in, in the movie. Well, anyway, the reason I brought that up is because I think that's what we do in the world. We do the best we can. Some of us will go, hey, look at that religion. I'm going to follow that religion, and I'm going to meet with people that also follow that religion, and I feel like I have purpose and meaning. Or they'll say, hey, look at that philosophical circle. I'm going to follow that. Hey, look at that podcast. I like that host. I like what he or she believes. Hey, look at that book. Hey, whatever. And we find things and people that we appreciate how they're living their lives or how that organization is uh, structured and what their beliefs are. And we feel like we are following a system of guidelines so that we can feel guided through life in some way. Because it does feel like we were just plopped on this planet and someone said, go figure it out. <laughs> you may not have that belief, but that's how I see it. Like, okay, here you go. Go figure it out. And, you know, that happens usually after we leave home. After we've graduated high school and either we're off to college or off to work or maybe we didn't even graduate high school. I mean, there are people that with all kinds of walks of life that are doing their thing, just trying their best, trying to figure it out. And so we become adults in this world and we go learn our lessons and some lessons are taught to us before they happen and some lessons we learn through the difficulties, through the challenges. And some of those lessons come very early on in life. Some of those lessons come from an upbringing that creates dysfunction in us. It's when we're young and we're in a bad situation, or it may not even be bad. It could just be a behavior or belief that we developed as a young child that we took into the adult world and continued to use behavior that once worked for us that doesn't work in the adult world anymore. We go into the adult world and we're around other people, both children and adults, and we are still doing behavior that we did when we were six. Except it's a little modified. We've adapted, we've changed, we've morphed, but we end up doing things that were very similar to when we were six. Just like seeing an adult have a temper tantrum and start crying you know, at the checkout line or something or, you know, anywhere. We see someone just lose it or get angry and punch someone out or just yell at the top of their lungs. How can we not equate that to a child's temper tantrum? I'm not saying that you're an immature child if you've ever done this. I think we've all had some sort of outburst at one time or another. But it can be equated to a child's temper tantrum. Because that's when we learned how to do it. And when we don't have the tools or resources to address what may be a propensity to have an outburst, to cry or to get angry or whatever kind of upset or outburst can just pop out of us at any time, or at least in certain situations, then we just carry on with it. We just go throughout life and then hopefully we find resources and find tools and find shows like this and find other material that makes us reflect on how we respond to life. You know, that's why we hear meditation is so good. Meditation can help center us, can help ground us, can help reflect on our own behavior, can help reflect on our own thoughts. 
And if we have enough reflection time, then we can start making changes at a deeper level instead of just catching them as they happen. Because that's what we sometimes tend to do because we don't have time. <laughs> we don't have time to meditate all the time. We don't have time to sit in silence and explore ourselves because we're trying to make money. We're trying to raise families. We're trying to mow the lawn every week. There's a lot of stuff we have to do. Our lives stay busy. And of course, you can't miss your binge watching on <laughs> movie channels and things like that. Uh, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just kind of throwing that in there for fun. <laughs> and uh, But you get the idea. If you don't have the tools, if you don't have the resources, then guess what? You end up going through life continuing to have these dysfunctions. And, you know, dysfunctions come in all shapes and sizes. I was the biggest people pleaser all my life. And a people pleaser doesn't really have the tools to tell people not to violate their boundaries. I mean, they can, but it's scary. And it's so scary that you feel like it's better to say nothing at all because why would I want to confront and make that person angry? And think about how that behavior started. If you have people-pleaser tendencies in you, why are you so concerned and so focused on pleasing other people to your own detriment, to your own emotional deficit, to the point where you just get burnt out and tired all the time, it's a good question to ask yourself. Why do I do that? You may already know. I know when I looked in my past and assessed why I did the behavior I did, it's because I feared confrontation. And how do you avoid confrontation? You just try to make sure everyone's happy. Where does that come from? At least for me, it comes from growing up with a mom who tried to keep the peace between my alcoholic stepfather and the rest of our family. If she could be the buffer between him and the rest of us, then there would be less aggression, there would be uh, less violence, there would be less scary moments, and uh, she did a really good job at that, yet it's a never-ending battle. But where I learned my people-pleasing was from her. So it became a dysfunction later on in life when I got into relationships and my partners got sick of my people-pleasing. They got sick of me not wanting to be confrontational. And it's not just about confrontation. It's just about standing up and saying, no, I don't like that. Or, yes, I do like that and I don't like that. Or, here's my opinion. Here's the truth. Because people-pleasers tend to hold back the truth. This episode isn't all about people-pleasing. I've talked about that on other episodes. But I do address that because that was part of my background. You know, there's other things too. You know, being an adult child of an alcoholic, you have super perfectionism, super responsibility, uh, people-pleasing is in there, uh, lack of personal boundaries. The list goes on and on and on. And so I call these things dysfunctions because they're not functional. They're not functional for our daily life. You can make them functional. You can use them and make the best of life. And hopefully you have someone that doesn't take advantage of it or get annoyed by it. But that's what a lot of these dysfunctions will do. And this is why a lot of people that carry dysfunctions will get into bad relationships. Because you're either going to have someone that takes advantage of them or is annoyed by them. And if they take advantage of them, they're probably going to control you. If they're annoyed by them, they're probably going to be repelled by you. I don't see too many 
I mean, maybe I haven't seen enough relationships, but I haven't seen too many or hardly any relationships that there's a lot of dysfunction on one side or both sides and it's still working out great. The relationships that I've seen that carry these types of dysfunctions or other types of dysfunctions usually deteriorate because they start out great because you see a lot of good qualities, but those good qualities are exaggerated. Sort of like um, when I would start off relationships in my past, one of my really good qualities at the time was my people-pleasing. Who doesn't want to be doted on? Who doesn't want to receive flowers once a month? Who doesn't want the dishes washed every day? You know, I had these people-pleasing qualities, and um, I thought, who the heck wouldn't like that? So I'm going to continue being that. And I did. And the women I've been with over the years they eventually grew tired of it. And it wasn't because I was doing all these things. It was because the combination of ingredients of a people pleaser, for example, involves not really showing the full breadth of emotions that you have. It involves allowing other people to walk on you. It involves not really being able to tell your truth. It involves not getting angry when they want you to get angry. Yes, people sometimes or a lot of the times want you to get angry if you're never angry because they want to see a real side of you. They want to see a truth instead of just agreement all the time. And so every relationship that I've had up until my last one to a certain extent, and this one definitely I don't fall into that typical dysfunctional people pleaser model anymore, has failed not only because of people-pleasing, but because of these dysfunctions. And so we can look at our partners in life and realize how they showed up in our life because of what we are carrying from our childhood, because of any maybe dysfunctions that we still have. And, and you know, I just read an email the other day, not on the air, but um, to myself, that said, um, I never trusted my partner when we first met. And years later, he cheated on me. And that affirmed what I was already thinking about him. And now I live with emotional triggers and I'm jealous and, you know, they're still together and on and on. So I saw this letter and I'm thinking, wait, you never trusted your partner in the first place and you didn't do anything about it. You didn't address this and get to the point where you did trust him. And, you know, that surprised me, but it didn't because I see it all the time. But it surprises me to the sense that we don't follow through when we figure out one of our dysfunctions. This may or may not be a dysfunction, but I'm going to call it a dysfunction because it doesn't help you function to realize something that doesn't fit in with, for example, your values, yet you continue moving forward with it. This person in her life didn't align with her values. She didn't trust him. I imagine her relationship values, and I'm just kind of filling in the gap. She didn't share her values with me, but I would assume that one of almost everyone's relationship values is I want to be with someone I can trust. I want to be able to trust the person I'm with. And for her to say to me that I've never trusted him since we met, that tells me that she could have made changes in her life or she could have addressed this until it was resolved. But instead of doing that, it sounds like she just did nothing about it. She just kept that sense of mistrust and stayed in the relationship. That to me, no offense if you're doing this now, is a dysfunction. That to me is you're not 
following through with something that you realize and you're choosing to stay in a situation which causes stress in your life, which causes you to be not as fulfilled or happy as you could be. Now, there are several reasons that people do that. There are, there could be obligations involved and commitments involved and they own a house together and this and that. So I understand that. But at what point do you start making changes for your own fulfillment where you become self-honoring so that you can show up differently in the world? Because if you're not in a relationship that you can fully trust, you're not showing up as your full self. You're not aligned with your values. You're not really in a space that feels 100% authentic because you're always on edge. You know, I'm making some assumptions here, but I'm assuming that if you're with someone you can't fully trust, you're always on edge. Because if you can fully trust someone, you don't even have to think about them. You don't have to, I mean, you think about them in a good way, but you don't have to think about they're going to do anything to hurt you or harm you or betray you or anything like that. That is off the table. Once it's off the table, it's one less thing to worry about because you have other stuff to worry about. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't have to worry about that person. So I imagine that a lot of people want to live that way where they don't have to worry about the person they're with or, you know, replace romantic partner with family, friend, neighbor. <laughs> when you can take these people off the table as far as them doing something against you, it's one more step toward fulfillment and one step farther from stress and anxiety from that emotionally triggered state. And so what I'm trying to convey in this segment here is that when we discover these dysfunctions in us, something that doesn't function right, we have a choice to make. We may not be able to make that choice right away, but we can take a step toward it, at least a step toward it, at least in thought. We can take that first thought step like, huh, I'm with someone that I don't trust. I need to resolve this. I either need to talk with this person and share with them that I don't trust them so that we can have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation and finally I can get to a place of peace where I do trust them or I need to realize that, no, this isn't going to go away so I need to do something about it for myself. I might need to take steps to get out of this situation because why would I want to stay unfulfilled and not as happy as I could be with someone that I'm always on edge with. It doesn't make sense. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it doesn't make sense. And I'm not saying that you have to do anything. If you can live this way and be as happy as you can be or as fulfilled as you can be, then continue doing it. I'm saying do what works. I like the philosophy, do what works. And this is kind of closing in on my final point here about dysfunctions, which is dysfunctions aren't always a bad thing. Dysfunctions can, in fact, be useful when you utilize them in ways that serve you. For me, I can't tell you how many times people-pleasing has come in handy. Not that I'm dysfunctional in that anymore, but the components of people-pleasing of showing up as a kind and caring person who really cares about your needs, at least that's how I try to show up in many ways, it can be very helpful. And when you can utilize components of your dysfunction, 
that are helpful to you, that serve you, that serve even others without going into emotional deficit, then you've got the best of both worlds. Then you've got this dysfunction that maybe you can't resolve completely. But you can still utilize it to live a happy and fulfilling life, to create situations that turn out better, that are win-win. The problem with a lot of dysfunctions, it's often lose-win. You're the loser and they're the winner. There's some sort of serving others that goes on to our own detriment, to our own deficit. And when we serve others to that deficit, it's not really serving them at all. It's just, I'm going to say it, slavery. It's like an emotional slave. And it's not even necessarily them enslaving you. It's you volunteering. You're just saying, here's all my good emotions. I'm going to throw those out the window. And I'm just going to have these bad emotions because I have this fear of confronting you. I don't really want to tell you that you're violating my boundaries. So I'm not going to say anything And I'm going to swallow my anger and hope that it just ends soon. Hope that you just stop doing it. And then we walk away with that repressed negative energy and it blows up somewhere else. Maybe we have a temper tantrum, (laughs) what I was saying earlier. And like I was saying, the dysfunctions can be okay as long as you don't take an emotional hit and become in deficit. And as far as uh, something like people-pleasing, for example... If you are cognizant and respect other people's wishes, then people-pleasing can be okay. If you are cognizant of other people's wants and wishes and desires and needs, and that doesn't mean that you're just making assumptions that uh, someone just ate crackers and now they're thirsty and you jump up and you give them water and they didn't want water. That's an assumption that you might make. But what I was saying is that some you know dysfunctions can be useful. You know, I talked about people-pleasing. The components of that can be useful. And uh, how about being a perfectionist? Some people see perfectionism as a dysfunction. It can be if you are a perfectionist and you put yourself down and you have all this negative self-talk about how you weren't perfect, then that's a dysfunction. I think dysfunction usually includes negative self-talk and feeling bad about yourself. If you have dysfunctional behavior, it usually has that um, as a side effect that you end up feeling bad for doing that behavior. However, if you were to utilize perfectionism, then you make it okay as long as you give yourself permission to make mistakes and fail. I consider myself mostly a perfectionist, but it's okay if I fail. I know that probably just breaks the definition of perfectionism in half, (laughs) but I don't mind looking at it that way. I like to work on things until they're perfect, but hey, if I fail or if it's not perfect, then I did the best I could. I give myself some leeway, some leniency. And so I utilize that dysfunction, all these dysfunctions that I've picked up over the years, and I make them functional. Just like you can. If you have dysfunctions, that, or at least the ones you know about, try to make them functional. But we got to take away the dysfunctional part of them. But we got to take away the part that makes us feel bad, that drains our energy, that causes us to be a negative inner critic all the time and make us, make us walk around in a bad mood. Another one is um, allowing your boundaries to be violated. That's almost never okay. But flexibility is okay. You don't have to be so belligerent about personal boundaries that everyone around you is walking on eggshells. In fact, my girlfriend was sort of like this when we first met because she didn't trust men. 
<laughs> and uh, being a man, I was lumped into that category. But over time, she learned to relax on her personal boundaries. And every now and then, there might have been something that she misconstrued or mistook. Or maybe it was true. Maybe there was some violation of her personal boundaries that I did or caused or something. And instead of just blowing up and saying, that's it, this relationship's over, we talked about it. I think that's important. And because we've developed a more trusting relationship, we can have these talks. We can have a communication on something that for some people might be a problem. Like another thing that my girlfriend used to do, and I'm not, I swear I'm not picking on her, but um, she used to have a fear of confronting me with anything that I, that I've done to avoid upsetting me. And she wanted to hold that in. She didn't want to get into a fight. She didn't want to make me upset. She just withheld stuff that caused her to be upset that I did or said. And it would drive me crazy because sometimes days or weeks would go by and she would barely give me any eye contact. And I'd finally say, what is going on? What is wrong? You barely even want to be near me in the room. It feels like you're putting this giant wall up. And she would finally come out and say, well, you know, I've been upset for a few days about something you said. And I was like, what is it? What did I say? Because I really wanted to know. And she'd muster up the courage to say, well, when you said this, it really upset me. I was like, oh, that's what you've been upset about? I'm, you know, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for it to come out that way. And then we'd have a conversation about it. And then she would feel better. And then we'd be connected again. And that's all it took, just talking about it. But it took her a while to realize that it was okay to be confrontational. It was okay to be truthful because I would rather be with someone who gives me a harsh truth than someone who withholds a truth and never wants to connect with me. I'd rather get it over with fast than deal with the trauma of days without connection. I mean, I'm being a little dramatic there, but you get what I mean. And so, like I said, dysfunction has a function. We just have to learn to utilize the functions of our dysfunction and try to do our best to get rid of the dysfunctional parts of it. The parts that make us feel bad, the parts that drain us, the parts that give us stress. And this also gives us permission to be human, to be imperfect, to not have to worry about completely eradicating something that might be considered dysfunctional. Because sometimes it's hard to do. Sometimes it's hard, hard to get rid of a personality characteristic or quirk. And so we have to try to do our best. And sometimes our best is the best we can do. And thankfully, no one's perfect. So it's so much more easy to be imperfect like the rest of the population. And the people that you think are perfect, don't let them fool you. We'll be right back. All right, what is quietbegins.com? That's the website that talks about the safe empowerment system for social anxiety. And if you deal with any type of anxiety, this program is for you. This is what's going to help you get through and even out of anxiety moments. And it's done through audio, just like this program is done through audio. And if you like listening to audio, this is the way to do it. This is how you start retraining your brain to react differently 
to anxiety. One of the um, experts that has contributed to the system is Giovanni Dienstman. He's a meditation coach and author and speaker over at liveanddare.com. And I was thrilled to get him on the product because he has a meditation that he walks you through when you're starting to experience anxiety to help you get out of it. And one of the things that people ask me is, is this whole program meditation? And the answer is absolutely not. Anxiety is tackled from many different angles using different methods. And uh, Giovanni's method is meditation. But, you know, we also have like a uh, self-worth coach on there, um, an expert on social influence and interpersonal dynamics and um, a couple anxiety coaches in there. And they have some really fascinating ways to beat anxiety. In fact, when I was having conversations with them, just the anxiety that started for me putting this product together went away talking with these people. And so it's like getting personal coaching from them. And of course, I'm the narrator throughout the entire product. I mean, about 70% of the, the entire product is me. So if you're used to my voice, if you like hearing my voice, then that's what you get most of. It's just that I've used their expertise to create something uh, really special. And I think you're going to like it too. If you have anxiety, I highly recommend it. Go to quietbegins.com. And you're going to get some top level, not only advice, but also a, a lot of subliminal subconscious stuff as well. This is good stuff. The safe empowerment system over at quietbegins.com. Welcome back. We're going to turn a different direction here and I'm going to read you a quick email and um, reply to it on the air because uh, this person has written apparently, I don't know if he's written a review and he didn't see the review, but he said, uh, hi, Paul, I've tried to reach out to you through your two podcasts. Uh, the other one's Love and Abuse. And for some reason, I didn't see my feedback in either of the podcast wall. So I decided to email you. Hope you don't mind me doing so. I've been following you for over a year now, and I must say that this new podcast channel has helped me a lot going through my recent breakup. I've learned a lot to become a better person, to stand up for myself, and to believe that there is still hope to love and be loved. I feel understood, and I love to know that you are so sensitive to the point of understanding us so much, even without ever having met us. Moreover, I have so much respect for you when you expose yourself, your mistakes, on your previous relationships, and that you want to keep improving throughout your life. I got dumped recently, and guess what? In the May 17 episode of Love and Abuse, you talked about nine of the ten things that I went through in my recent toxic relationship. After the breakup, I caught myself wondering if I was the bad person, as my ex told me that I was. Turns out after the breakup, I found out that my ex was cheating on me. So hypocritical of him to claim to be honest when deep in his heart he knew he was not. He gaslighted me. He tried to manipulate me. He tried to control me based on his shady best friend's perception of me and his loser housemate's comments of me. Long story short, were there red flags? Yes. My ex has money issues. He's still married to another guy, has not paid his taxes for years, wanted to control who I should talk to, and in the end said I was not a civilized person. He also used my kindness and generosity against me. But with all your support, Paul, I stood up for myself. I let my ex know that, that they were projecting their misery and frustrations onto me and that I would never be another monkey in their circle. Now, three weeks after the breakup, I'm feeling so much better from being away from all the negativity, toxic interactions, drama, and lies. I don't want to get into any more details, but there are a lot. 
My intention to leave this feedback was to thank you for all your quintessential work. You may not know the importance you've played in so many people's lives and their well-being. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. P.S. I never heard you talk about toxic gay relationships, and I do believe that my story with this guy and therefore your insights of it could help a lot of people out there, regardless of their sexual orientation, not to make the same mistakes I did. Looking forward to hearing from you all the best. All right, I'm going to call you John. John, thank you so much for sharing that. There's a reason or a few reasons I read this on the air just now. One is because I don't know where you're leaving your review or your feedback, uh, but since it didn't show up, I just put it on the air. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you for your kind words. And I'm so glad that you're getting things from both the Love and Abuse podcast and this one. Uh, That's my goal is to somehow enrich or improve or change your life in some way so you can get out of the quagmire, you can get out of anything that makes you miserable and uh, just live a better life. And another reason I wanted to read this is because you uh, said you never heard me talking about gay relationships. Well, guess what? I don't really talk about heterosexual relationships either. (laughs) If you've been listening a while, I try to keep it very gender neutral. So I don't favor one over the other. I mean, not personally. I mean, as far as talking about it, I don't favor talking about heterosexual over gay. I will use references. If you're heterosexual, this will pertain to you. If you're a man and you are with a woman, if you are a man and you are with a man, but I pretty much keep it gender neutral. And I just want to go on record right now and say this, and it's going to sound a tad bit political, and I'm so sorry, but it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight or lesbian or queer or bi or trans or whatever it is, all those letters. As long as you are putting more love into the world, it's better than more hate. That's all I want to say. Gay people that love each other, that's more love. And I'm all for anything that spreads more love on the planet. I guess that's a little political, but to me, it's not. To me, it's just love. If you can love someone else, regardless of who they are or what they are or what gender they are, that is putting more positivity on the planet. That is putting more love on the planet. So I'll get off my soapbox now, but I just want to go on record with that. In my opinion, love is love. And I'm not here to debate this and I'm not here to disagree with you. If you don't like same-sex people getting together, That's your opinion. I'm not against you. I respect you. I respect your opinion. I just happen to have a different one. So I don't want to alienate you if you have, you know, beliefs that don't include that. That's your thing. That's your life. I totally believe that everyone has their own right to follow their own religion, to follow their own spiritual path. And it's a personal experience and you'll get what you put into it. And I believe that when you put into the world more love you get back more love. And that's what I practice. If you're listening right now and you practice something else, that's your path. I respect your decision to follow your path. And I hope you respect mine too. But anyway, John, you're right. I don't specifically talk about gay topics. There are shows out there that will talk specifically about what gay people experience and what they go through. Um, This one is more gender neutral. I try to be. And I've also had the question in the past about addressing transgender issues and things like that. And um, I don't know if it comes up, I might, but I look at the bigger picture of, for example, relationships or personal issues and personal challenges that aren't necessarily focused on those specific things. 
So you may or may not hear me talk about that sometime in the future. I don't know. But um, it's a good question. And that's my answer for now. Now, the uh, third reason I wanted to read this on the air is because I want to let um, everyone listening know that, and we kind of addressed this in the last segment, that when you're in a situation, something toxic, something that isn't fulfilling, like the last segment I talked about someone who never trusted her partner from day one, and then he cheated and that substantiated that mistrust, but she still continued to stay in the relationship unfulfilled, on the verge of being emotionally triggered, not trusting, not feeling as authentic as she wants to feel, not being as vulnerable as she wants to feel, not experiencing the relationship she wants to have, yet she chooses to stay in that relationship or not get it resolved in some way. I mean, it may not be resolvable. That's why you might have to take other action in your life. If you can't resolve it, if you can't talk through it, if you can't get it out in therapy and have uh, some revelation or enlightenment, then you may have to make other decisions. But from what you're telling me, John, is that you made the decision. You decided that, you know what, I've had enough of this. I don't want to be this pawn in this game, and I want to get out of this relationship. And so many people that were in your shoes when you were in this relationship are so afraid to take that step. They're so afraid that, you know, what does that mean? That's the unknown or I'll never be able to handle it because I don't have enough resources or enough support or I just can't do it. So I read your letter, John, to do what you're hoping it would do. And that is to inspire people, to inspire people, not because, hey, you can do it, rah, 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 but to inspire them to realize that life usually gets better, almost always when you get out of the relationship radiation, you know, that toxicity that can happen in some relationships. It's so toxic that you're getting burned every day that just stepping out of it and being away from it for a while starts to defog your brain, starts to clear things up for you, starts to get you out of the emotional swill that you've been in. Once you're out of that negativity, you start thinking more clearly and you start realizing, wait, why didn't I do this earlier? I hear this all the time. And I'm not saying, hey, you need to get a divorce. Hey, you need to separate. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that um, sometimes you need to figure out what you are really thinking without someone else's influence. And sometimes you do need to break up. Sometimes you do need to get a divorce. Sometimes that stuff needs to happen if you're in a bad enough situation and you just can't live your life authentically without emotional triggers because the other person is toxic in some way or can't be trusted in some way. Whatever. You you need to assess these things as you go. But I wanted to read this, John, because you did it. You got out and it sounds like you're getting happier by the week, which is fantastic. I'm very happy for you. And this, along with so many other emails that I get that say, I got out of this relationship and now I am happier. Now I am finally getting back on my feet. Now I don't feel like a shell of my former self because I'm starting to become more fulfilled because I'm not put down all the time, because I'm not made to feel guilty, because I'm not told I'm a bad person, on and on and on. And even when the other person still shows up in a toxic way after the breakup, At least you get to go back to your own space, your own place, and be with yourself, which is sometimes so much more fulfilling 
than being with someone who is corrupting that sense of self you have. So this message isn't for everyone. Some people are in great relationships. I want you to keep those great relationships going if you can. But if you're in a questionable relationship, then you know you got to start having these hard conversations where you talk about stuff and try to get it out in the open, try to get it on the table. And if it's just too toxic, you've tried everything, you know, you, you start making the first plans in your head about what you want to do next and get a support system around you. You know, I just made an episode on um, isolation in the Love and Abuse podcast. Don't let yourself become isolated. Don't put yourself in that space where there's no one to help you and you're in a bad situation. Now what do you do? I know you can't always tell if the, the situation is going to get bad, but you just want to try to be aware, try to pace things so that you aren't stepping off the cliff without a parachute and without the ability to build the wings on the way down. Sometimes you're just falling and falling and falling and it's stressful. It's terrible. I hope it's not terrible for you. I hope like John, thank you so much for emailing me. I hope that if you're in a bad situation that you can get out of that bad situation or resolve that bad situation just like John has. And if you're in a good situation, then there's something to be grateful for. There's something to appreciate. There's something that you can feel appreciative of the moment, of the time that you're experiencing, of the peace in your head. I think that's a common goal, right? Just having some sense of peace in our lives. If it's not your goal, then whatever fulfills you, whatever makes you happy, whatever puts you on the path to creating the life you want. Thanks so much for joining me today. We'll be right back. I'll say some goodbyes and my final words after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to go to quietbegins.com so the quiet can begin in your mind. If you have anxiety, this might be the program that helps you resolve it. Quietbegins.com. And I mentioned the Love and Abuse podcast a couple times today. You can find that over at loveandabuse.com. And of course, your favorite podcast player should have it. If it doesn't, the website will have it as well. But go ahead and subscribe to that show if you want to learn more about poisonous communication and the toxic behavior of others. It gives you clarity. It helps you understand abusive or manipulative behavior. And uh, sometimes you just need to know so that you don't, you don't get caught off guard. Loveandabuse.com And I want to thank the members of the patron program for supporting the show. They are the backbone. They keep this show going. If you are getting value from this show and you want to show your support, go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Thank you, existing patron members. I appreciate you. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And I just received an email as I was recording this that was very related to that last segment of someone leaving a very dysfunctional or toxic marriage. Uh, this person wrote, I listened to your podcast for about a year now and I have gained so much insight and growth as a result. I think the other person listened for about a year too. And uh, episode 265 has a section about emotional abuse. I'm in the process of divorcing my husband of a marriage that has lasted over two decades because of his verbal, emotional, spiritual, and other types of abuse. 
you know, spiritual abuse would be a good topic for me to touch on one day. Um, and that is when someone uses religion or spiritual principles against someone else to make them feel guilty, to preach, to be righteous. And there's all kinds of aspects of spiritual abuse that can take place. And uh, it's an important topic. So thank you for bringing this up. But she goes on to say, one of the things that you said in that episode was such an aha moment for me. You said that when we don't set boundaries or consequences or don't speak up, we can actually be the enablers to the people who are exhibiting abusive behavior. Thank you for helping me see this truth in my own relationship. I'm hopeful that after so many years of abuse, dissolving this marriage will help my husband and myself grow toward healthier, happier futures. Paul, you are amazing. Cue the angels singing. Ah. <laughs> she says, bless you. Thank you so much for this email. It's perfect timing for this show. And it's right on target with the topic I was talking about today. And uh, yes, that one point, if it's not enough to help you see that leaving an abusive person or someone that's displaying toxic behavior can sometimes be the resolve that they need so they stop being toxic. It can be a gift to a person that finds it easy to be abusive or mean or toxic in any way toward you because you can be the stimulus for them. You can be their drug and they want more of it. And the way you show up, even if all of it is good, even if you are compassionate and kind and caring, the way you show up can be the catalyst. It can be the other half of the formula that creates the dysfunction. That doesn't mean you're to blame. It just means you are a stimulus of some sort that without you, they may not be able to do that abusive behavior. So what you're doing is giving that person an opportunity to change. And it's so hard for some abusive people to change because they still have the stimulus in front of them. And that's why I say it can be a gift that you give to a dysfunctional, toxic, abusive, or whatever person that leaving or separating or providing accountability or big consequence to their behavior can be a gift, a gift of an opportunity to change their behavior. Not everyone will do it, but I speak from personal experience here. When my wife wanted a divorce, it was the biggest gift she could have given me. It was the last thing I wanted. It was painful, but it was a huge gift because it finally made me realize that there's accountability for my behavior, that there are consequences for not addressing what's going on inside of me. There are consequences for making her feel bad about herself. And finally, I was able to access that, access that empathy that I hadn't been accessing, access realizations about how I've been treating her. And those realizations would never have come otherwise because we had gone to therapy. We had talked each other's ears off. We had gone through every conversation you could have, all the hard stuff. And I was still toxic for her. I was toxic for us. And I am so grateful that she dumped me. <laughs> it sounds awful, but you know, I look at this in hindsight and I'm out of the grieving period now. I am so grateful because it made me realize that something needed to change in me. Something needed to heal or many things needed to heal. 
And just like this person wrote in her email, she says, I'm hopeful that after so many years of abuse, dissolving the marriage will help my husband and myself grow toward better, happier futures. It's true. It's going to at least be an option where it may not have been before. Having the option gives someone an opportunity. We're not having the option doesn't give them any incentive to change. So good for you. I am very proud of you. Not that you need to hear that from me. I just wanted to say that I am so happy to hear that you are on a better path, even though I know that this is probably very painful. So there's a bittersweetness here, I'm sure. But yes, this is the gift that you can give to people because sometimes you show up in a way that causes them to show up in a way that is not healthy, not helpful, and to remove that stimulus, sometimes you being the only stimulus, it might just be enough to help them along in life to make different decisions. It's a deep topic. We've talked about it before, and I know there's more to talk about there, but thank you so much for bringing that up. Thank you for writing in, and uh, I appreciate you. And no matter where you are in life, no matter what kind of relationship you have in life, I hope it's a great one. Or if you're not in a relationship, like my last newsletter said, hey, you might be in a relationship, you might not be in a relationship, but either way, here's some information that might help. And some people are in relationships for years, and some people haven't been in a relationship for years. And then there are others that wish that their relationship ended years ago. No matter where you are on that spectrum of relationships, and no matter what you want in the area of relationships, or if you don't want a relationship, just keep an open mind. That way you will be empowered to make decisions that are right for you. I want you to be able to create the life you want. So always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.